Dear ones, please turn with me in your copy of God's Holy Word to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John will, will be in chapter 8, verses 12 through 20 this evening as we continue this series and these I Am statements of Christ. Please stand with me for the reading of God's Holy Word from John chapter 8, verses 12 through 20. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. Let us pray. Our great and gracious God, we thank you for your word. We pray, O God, that you would illumine this text of scripture by your spirit, illumine our hearts and our minds to understand it, to know what it means that Christ, our Savior, is the light of the world. We pray, O God, that we would grow in our knowledge of and love for Christ this evening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Who do people say that I am? Jesus asked his disciples in Matthew chapter 16. And then when they answer, he asks them, who do you say that I am? After Christ calmed the storm, the disciples asked themselves, who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. When Herod heard about Christ's mighty deeds, he asked in Luke chapter 9, Who is this man about whom I hear such things? Or when he was blinded and thrown to the ground on the road to Damascus, Saul, the persecutor of the church, asks, Who are you, Lord? All throughout the Gospels and the New Testament, and in the 2,000 years since the events depicted in them, this question keeps coming up. Who is Jesus? Christ is so different, so obviously not like other people, that his actions and his words caused people to sit up and to ask themselves and others this vital question. Of course, all those who asked or, or were asked this question had all kinds of different answers, which no doubt resulted in a lot of confusion. At the time in which Christ walked on this earth, just as today, people are often confused about Christ, about what he did and what he claimed about himself. But that's not because he's left the answer unclear, but simply because of the hardness of human hearts and the inability of those without faith to know and understand those deep 
things of God. Just as this question of who is Jesus was important for the people in Jesus' day to answer, so too the single most important question that you could ask yourself is who is Jesus? Was he simply a good moral teacher? Was he a political revolutionary who was put to death because of his ideology? Or is he who he claims to be? Is he the only begotten son of the living God? The one through whom and for whom all things were made. The one who holds all things together by the word of his power. The one who came to save his people from their sins. You, dear one, need to ask yourself this very same question. Because your eternal destiny depends upon your answer. This evening, in this passage of the Gospel of John... We will all be confronted by this question, who is Jesus? My prayer is that you and I will see that Christ is who he says he is, the light of the world. The conflict in this passage comes to us right in the beginning, and it lies in this very same question. The Pharisees confront Jesus He makes these claims about himself, and they don't believe him. And all of those who are gathered around Jesus when he makes this pronouncement that he is the light of the world in chapter 8 and verse 12, all of those around him, the common people, the Jewish leaders, even his disciples, are trying to answer this question for themselves. But still, too many of them don't have eyes to see or ears to hear what he has done among them and what he says directly to them. This is really the question, this question of who is Jesus is the question that these I am statements of Christ seek to answer. All throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus makes declarations about himself, letting all who have eyes to see and ears to hear know exactly who he is, why he has come, and what he has accomplished for all of those who will repent and believe. These I am statements of Christ reveal something about the person and work of our Savior. In these statements, he makes claims about himself, showing new facets of his character and revealing more of the reasons why he came to earth. And by his Spirit, Christ reveals these truths to those who can see them by faith. Last time we were together, we explored the first of these statements in John chapter 6, verses 25 through 35. There, soon after he feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, Jesus says to the crowd who is looking to him for, for more handouts, he says, I am the bread of life. He essentially says, you're coming to me looking for more physical bread to fill your bellies, but your need is not physical. Your true need is spiritual. You think you're hungry and that by eating this bread or fish, you'll be satisfied. But, Christ says, your need is deeper than that. You can only be truly satisfied, eternally satisfied, by the bread of life, Jesus Christ himself. What that first I am statement also reveals is that Christ typically makes these pronouncements before or after performing a great miracle that shows his power and It reveals to the crowds 
that what he claims about himself in these statements, that he is the son of the living God, is true. Well, in the context of our passage this evening in John chapter 8, we see that this pattern of making one of these statements close to a miraculous event holds true as well. In the next chapter, John chapter 9, we read about the glorious miracle of Christ in which he gives sight to a man born blind. As we'll see as we explore John chapter 8 and verse 12, Christ is the light of the world. But the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders of the day, cannot see him, cannot fathom the fact that what he claims about himself is true. Those Jewish leaders live in utter darkness, and so they can't understand that Christ is the Son of God, and that he has come to banish the darkness and to reveal his Father to his people. While this man in John chapter 9 was born physically blind, what Christ shows through that miracle is that the Jewish leaders are spiritually blind, a far more damning condition than the man's, and they are in need of spiritual renewal, a miraculous spiritual event so that they might see. Those Jewish leaders and the folks in the crowd are blind to the things of God. And so they cannot see Christ for who he is. They can't see the light of life and instead walk in darkness, which leads to death. By contrast, you and I must, by God's grace and spirit, understand that Christ is the light of the world. We must see him for who he truly is and follow after him all of our lives. For only in Christ do you and I have salvation. Only in Christ do we have that light of life, life everlasting. This evening, we'll spend our time probing the depths of what Christ means by saying that he is the light of the world. We'll do so primarily by staying in this one verse, John chapter 8 and verse 12, exploring what it means that the light, Christ our Lord pushes away the darkness and guides his people to the Father and to true and lasting life. Light of the world, Jesus says. I am the light of the world. This language is quite full because light is a pervasive theme all throughout Scripture. As we know, the first recorded words that God utters in the Bible are, let there be light. And from there, the biblical authors paint a rich tapestry, exploring this theme and expounding upon it and looking at all the different facets of it all throughout Scripture. And so throughout the Old Testament, you and I see that, among many, many other things, that God dwells in unapproachable light that his radiant glory shines forth in the splendor of his majesty, and that even spending a little bit of time near that light, as Moses does on Mount Sinai, causes one to glow with the reflection of God's glorious light. We also see in the Old Testament that the word of God, as we read in Psalm 
119, verses, verse 105, the Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It shows us where we are going. It illumines the way so we don't stumble and fall off the path that God has laid out for us. Just like the Word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, so too here in John chapter 8, the Word incarnate, Jesus Christ our Lord, tells us that He Himself is the light which guides our way. He is the light of the world. And by claiming this, by, by telling the people, telling you and me that He is the light of the world, Christ indicates a number of things about His person and work, about who He is and what He has done. And while we don't have time to explore all the implications of this statement, two specific qualities of light are ascribed to Christ here in this passage and in other parts of Scripture. These two qualities are that Christ, as the light of the world, shines into the darkness and pushes it back. He banishes it from His sight. That's the first quality of light that we see here uh, that's exemplified by Christ, that, dark, that light pushes back the darkness. It dispels the darkness. And the second quality, which we'll look at in just a few moments, is that light guides the way. And here we see specifically that Christ guides the way to the light of life, and those who follow him will have life, life in our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the prologue to this gospel, John signals the importance of this theme of light that's expounded throughout the gospel by saying in verses 4 and 5 that in Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In Christ is life. And the life that Christ possesses shines a light upon all who would believe so that the darkness is pushed back and conquered. This true light, as John says in verse 9 of chapter 1, gives light to everyone and was coming into the world. Even in the first chapter of the gospel of John, we get hints of Christ's teaching here in chapter 8 that He is the light of the world, given to God's people to shine forth into their hearts, to turn back the darkness, to overcome that darkness, and to give life to all who repent and believe. Jesus says, Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Those who follow the light, Christ says, will not walk in darkness. We understand by mere observation of the world around us that light and darkness are complete opposites. Wherever there is light, by definition, there cannot be darkness. Wherever there is darkness, there is not light. Apart from Christ, the human heart is a wicked place filled with sin and darkness. Christ tells us that He is the light of the world who shines upon dark hearts and banishes darkness from those hearts. The light of Christ searches out dark places and exposes them to light. Even in the heart of the Christian, darkness and sin remain. We 
are still sinners all through this life. And sin tends to grow in our hearts like a fungus if we leave it alone. It grows and it, it festers in the dark. But Christ comes into our hearts and exposes our sin to the light. And the darkness flees because it cannot abide the light. Friends, you and I need to remember that Christ is the light of the world. That Christ comes into our hearts and searches out those dark places. Tracks down all the fungus that's been growing inside of us. Exposes it to the light. We also need to remember that we can, in some ways, hold back our hearts from that sort of exposure. And allow sin to grow and fester within us. We must allow Christ to be the Lord of our lives, to shine the light of the world upon our hearts so that our sin is banished, so that our sin flees. We must expose our sin to the light of Christ by repenting and turning from it, looking to Christ. We must always be about this work of mortifying the flesh, mortifying our sin, killing it. Well, think about when we're talking about the fact that light dispels darkness. Think about the, the, the last time maybe that you were in complete or near complete darkness. Maybe for some of you, that's a traumatic thing to even consider. Please don't start hyperventilating. One of the most terrifying things about pitch black darkness is, of course, the fear of the unknown. You have no clue what's near you, and without your sight, you have to rely on your other senses to help you understand what's nearby and to try to find the way. Navigating by sound or by touch alone can lead you astray and can scare you even further depending on what you hear and what you feel around you. But what happens if you have a flashlight with you? Well, the darkness is pushed back. And those things that you heard or, or that you felt that scared you usually turn out to be nothing to be concerned about. Even if you don't have a light with you, if you find yourself in complete darkness, you try to find some small sliver of light that you can follow, that you can walk toward, right? You follow that small bit of light and you pray that it leads to safety. Christ Jesus is the light of the world. He stands in the midst of the darkness of life and beckons his people to come to him, to follow after him, to see him as that reference point in the distance to which we all must travel to make our way through this dark world. And that's exactly what he says here in verse 12. Whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will instead walk in the light. And this is that second quality of light that is exhibited by our Savior. The light of the world shows us the way to go, that way that leads to life. Christ, our Lord, is our guiding light, showing us the way out of the darkness. But that isn't all that He does. 
Once we're out of the darkness of our sin and misery, Christ still lights the way, showing us the path of of blessedness, that path which we must travel down in this world, the path that leads to life everlasting. We still live here in this world. We still sin daily, but we have Christ as our guide who leads us by his word and by his spirit as a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths. As the light of the world, Christ points us toward another light, that marvelous light of our blessed triune God who is light and life and in whom there is no darkness at all, no shadow or variation due to change. We follow Christ as our guiding light. We do so by repenting of our sin and believing in Christ alone. And thereby we have the light of life. Christ is our guiding light who leads us into the eternal blessed communion with our triune God. And this is Essentially what Christ says to the Pharisees in the rest of this passage, verses 13 through 20. He says, essentially, I've, I've come down from my Father, and the only way that you can know my Father is if you know me. The only way you can have fellowship and communion with the Father is through Christ, his Son. You or I can only know God truly through Christ. Christ the light of the world shines upon our hearts and points us to God, takes us to His Father. Follow Christ, dear one, and you will see God. Verse 19, the Pharisees ask Him, okay, where then is your Father? You're saying that you've come down from your Father, you bear witness to that, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would would know my father also. To know God is to know Christ. We cannot know the father without knowing Christ. And all those who know Christ know the father. Commenting on this passage, the Genevan reformer John Calvin says this, Whoever aspires to know God and does not begin with Christ, must wander, as it were, in a labyrinth. Every man who shall direct his mind and all his senses to Christ will be led straight to the Father. He goes on to say, And certainly it is an astonishing reward of the obedience of faith that whosoever humbles himself before the Lord Jesus penetrates above all the heavens even to those mysteries which the angels behold and adore. Whoever humbles himself before the Lord Jesus penetrates above all the heavens, even to those mysteries which the angels behold and adore. This is what our Savior does for us. He takes us through that labyrinth, guides us along the way, And all those who follow Christ will be led straight to the Father. In Psalm 36, verse 9, we read these words. 
psalmist says, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Only in the light of Christ can you and I see the light of our triune God. For Christ brings us into blessed communion with our holy God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Only through Christ can we have fellowship with God Most High. And only when we have fellowship with God can we have life. See, it's a a pattern, one leading to the next. We must believe in Christ, repent of our sins, and, and, and cling to Christ by faith. Christ shows us the way to the Father and the way to have the light of life. Like Christ's claim to be the bread of life in John chapter 6, his claim here to be the light of the world indicates, among many other things, the exclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That there is only one way to salvation, one way for wicked sinners to be reconciled to a holy and righteous God. The Dutch theologian Hermann Ritterboss in his commentary on this passage, says that the Pharisees were not offended by Christ's claim to, quote, bring light, comfort, and happiness to people. No, instead, he says, they were offended that he says that he is the light of the world. The Pharisees are not angered by Christ's goal of bringing light to people, but by the fact that he says he is the light of the world, the light of the world. This is a a claim to exclusivity. Christ is saying, I am the only way to see, the only light by which hearts darkened by sin and misery can see any spiritual realities. Christ is here saying to us, I am the only way to see the Father. He says as much to his disciples in John chapter 14 and verse 9. He says, if you have seen me, You have seen my Father. Anyone who sees Christ, who repents of their sin, lays claim to Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, has indeed seen the Father. And this is assured because Christ is the light by which the Father is revealed to us. Not physically visible to us. The Bible is clear. No one can see God and live. But Christ makes the Father spiritually visible to us, makes our triune God spiritually visible to all those who have the eyes of faith, who are enabled by the Holy Spirit and by the light of Christ, who believe in Christ and to give glory to the Father who is in heaven. And this is the glorious truth proclaimed to us this evening from John chapter 8 and verse 12. Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, our elder brother, the church's blessed husband, is the light of the world. And he shows us the glory of God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says that Christ is the radiance, that is the splendor, the brightness, the majesty of the glory of God. And in the light of Christ, we see light, the light of the Father, the light of of our blessed triune God, the light of the world, that light which leads to life everlasting. 
And so we return to that question we asked at the beginning. Who is Jesus? He is the light of the world. Follow Christ, your guiding light, and you will surely live eternally with our blessed triune God. Let us pray. Our holy God, we thank you and praise you that Christ is the light of the world. That Christ, our Savior, shows us the way. He banishes darkness from us and lights the path to life everlasting. That blessed life in communion with our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We thank you, O God, for Christ our Savior. We pray that we would lay hold of him, that we would cling to Christ by grace through faith all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name.